I'm Gigi Johnson, and this is Amplify Music Conversations, where we captured the voices and music panels from the Amplify Music 2021 virtual conference. Over the course of the panels, you'll hear more than 100 panelists from a wide variety of cities and countries, each working in their local communities to recover from the challenges and changes of the pandemic. You'll hear about new community models, collaborations, and ways of organizing, each recovering and transforming their own music environment. Hey, everybody. Thanks. Thanks to the organizers. Thanks to my fellow panelists. It is so great to be here. So Liz Stuckey Sunday, I am the executive director and co-founder of Music to Life, uh, which was co-founded with my dad, who some of you might know as Noel Paul Stuckey of the folk trio Peter, Paul, and Mary. And we created the organization to build activism through music. So we work with um, musicians of all genres and all social justice passions around the country. And we connect them with the resources and the partners and the mentors that they need um, to actually develop collaborative sort of music-driven projects in their communities that really move the needle around the issues of our time. And, and the artists that we're working with these days really um, fall into kind of three categories. Uh, they, we work with, on the one hand, artists that are just starting to test the waters around social change and kind of what does that mean? What does that look like? Um, uh, and that's sort of our, those are our accelerator artists. Our accelerator is an incubator program for social change musicians, again, that want to they really want to take kind of an entrepreneurial approach to social change uh, instead of always giving away their work and kind of sacrificing their gig work for community work. We're really trying to put them in touch, get them trained as, you know, program developers and grant writers and, you know, strategic thinkers around their social change so that they're really having an impact. And when they go into the prisons or the immigration advocacy centers or, you know, wherever they're going. So there's that. We also work with kind of mid-career artists who are sort of established in this area of social impact. And we offer a monthly platform. It's called Brave Troubadours, where they can kind of showcase their music, showcase their, their programs. We have a tip jar. We really sort of use that as a promotional platform. And then we work with notable social change artists sort of at the celebrity or legacy level, connecting those artists, um, again, sort of seasoned social change artists with all of the other artists in our in our network. So we're really kind of um, we close the circle that way. And, and we're really building a family, I think, and an incredibly kind of energized and intentional community around how music beyond just a benefit concert, beyond just, um, you know, a rally, all of which is important. But we're really pushing this notion that musicians can be um, entrepreneurial change agents and, and that that's a way to, to sustain the change. Um, so that is what we are all about. Really, really happy to be here. Thanks. Uh, thanks, Liz. Uh, I'll jump in next. My name is Spencer Townsend Hughes. I am co-founder of an organization called Music Minds Matter, uh, where we focus on the brain health and the mental wellness of music communities everywhere. Uh, we were established, we actually became a 501c3 one year ago last week, which is really exciting. But we started with some mental wellness meetups. I also play music locally in uh, Denver, Colorado with a band called The Hollow. And we started these mental wellness meetups essentially out of necessity. I, I had kind of one of those crises where it was, uh, I'm sure all musicians have it probably multiple times, but the idea of like, why am I doing this? Why am I writing music? Why do I want to do this for a living? Who's going to listen to my music? Things like that. So uh, I started a support group of sorts in the Denver music scene, 
to just have people gather once a month and kind of share some frustrations with the industry or the scene specifically, but then also share successes that they've had. Because I think that being a champion of mental health, um, it's important to celebrate the successes as well. And the conversation doesn't always have to center around the challenges. And I became a mental health first aid instructor uh, just over a year ago, a year and a half ago. Uh, So far, we've been able to certify just about 100 folks through our organization with more on the horizon. We're really focusing on our relationships with with labels and artist-facing folks so that we can get them trained in mental health first aid, which is essentially how to handle and de-escalate a crisis situation that someone might be having uh, as it pertains to mental health. So again, focusing on our label connections, our A&R connections, our artist-facing folks to get them the education so that if musicians who will inevitably have a mental health crisis... Uh, they'll have the education in order to help facilitate those conversations and de-escalate. So uh, very grateful to be here and uh, looking forward to the discussion. Hi, hello. My name is Nareet and I am the executive director of the Music Forward Foundation. We were birthed nearly 30 years ago as the International House of Blues Foundation, promoting cultural understanding, knowledge and respect of the Black community's integral contribution to music and culture. And um, we were rooted in the House of Blues tenets of unity and diversity, help ever hurt never. Um, Today, as the Music Forward Foundation, we are squarely focused on workforce development, still with legacy programs and connected to those core beliefs. We transform young lives, inspire careers, and champion a more inclusive music industry. And we are dedicated to breaking the barriers of gender, poverty, and race to enter the music industry. We offer programs, performance opportunities, panels, and curriculum uh, as we bridge our communities to the music industry, empower ambition, and really redefine what is possible for the youth as well as the industry that we serve. We've been proud for the past year to be running the Crew Nation Fund, a global relief fund for live music, venue, festival, and touring crew members. Um, And we were brought along as the nonprofit partner. Live Nation tapped us early from the start to help navigate the logistics and management of this fund. And the crews that we rely on to power live music are vital to the industry and therefore a critical part of the Music Forwards family. And we've been, uh, I've just been actually excited by the energy and movement on building pathways in the, in, into the industry, um, the energy that we've been feeling over this past year uh, to building a more healthier, empathetic, and humanistic industry rooted in diversity and equity. And I'm excited to be on this panel today and uh, speaking with these uh, excellent folks here. Good morning, y'all. Good afternoon. If you're on the East Coast, uh, my name is Renard Bridgewater, the Community Engagement Coordinator for the Music and Culture Coalition of New Orleans. Uh, We are a nonprofit based in the city for the last eight years um, that works at the intersection of social justice, culture, and policy. Um, That's a very formalized way of saying that we mainly work organized with and advocate on the behalf of New Orleans-based musicians, street performers, and culture bears to be able to push policies that are going to help compared to hinder the artistic and cultural practices and activity of those individuals. 
over the past several years, um, we've certainly done our fair share of work um, from a policy standpoint to be able to uh, put into practice uh, a sound ordinance that is going to be able to benefit, you know, um, music and culture within the city, our neighborhood bars that host live music and things of that nature. Last March, we pivoted from that work to be able to provide direct assistance to those individuals. Uh, within that time period, we've been blessed to be able to provide over um, $240,000 um, in direct monies um, to musicians, visual artists, street performers, Black masks and Indians, et cetera. Um, and that counts, that equates about 661 folks uh, within that money. Um, we've also worked to be able to provide direct public input of those various stakeholders, you know, to our city agencies like the Office of Culture Economy, the Department of Safety and Permits, um, as well as the Health Department. Um, certainly, that's important during this pandemic. And also working to uh, put together with other arts and cultural organizations in the city, community sessions, so virtual gatherings where we tackle everything from unemployment assistance to, you know, rental benefits, uh, taxes, food drives, et cetera. We just mainly are working over the past year to be able to get as much information um, into the hands of our cultural community members at this time so that they can keep those dollars circulating um, over the past um, over the past year and certainly into the future. Right. Since that's kind of what we're talking about um, within this panel. And then lastly, um, one of the things that I'm, I'm very proud about that we've been working on. Um, is I am the chair of the Reopen Every Venue Safely Initiative in New Orleans, our musicians working group. Um, shout out to all my folks who may be in the room right now from the other 10 cities. So just mainly working to be able to uh, help our musicians understand their value, their worth as they do go back to work um, and start operating within indoor spaces as, and as well as um, working to combine what does outdoor live entertainment and performances look like at this time as well going into the future. So thank you. Looking forward to this discussion and conversation. Oh, my stars. We got ourselves a nice little group here, don't we? This is great. So grateful to be here with these panelists and again with Amplify Music. Um, so from my understanding, we have the Rethinking Social Safety Nets and Shared Support. And... It says here in the description of this specific panel that the session will look deeper into what makes local music so vital to a community's support system. Something that we had been talking about was it's it's incredible the the recognition that the arts and entertainment world was given or that that they received since the pandemic, right? So I think that it was I think I don't want to say undervalued as a musician maybe i could say that at times uh, before the pandemic but we saw a lot of like kind of desperation and need for the arts and entertainments and live music and so renard i i would love to i mean certainly the pandemic has shifted everything uh, it shifted the music industry entirely what has that looked like for you in new orleans and how how were you able to persevere? And then what does it look like? What do those safety supports, those safety nets look like moving forward? Yeah, I think that's a great question. Uh, you know, what I've been looking to do and just communicate with other musicians about what does that look like, right? When they do go back to work, you know, and, and to some degrees, um, some folks are, are hesitant about going into indoor spaces and rightfully so. So I think what we've looked to do in regards to those safety nets, those social safety nets is, is to be transparent in the communication and really just 
listen. I think that's kind of where I like to start instead of necessarily talking. I prefer to kind of take take less space. Right. And then move back and then hear from, you know, folks that are gigging more folks that are on the ground in certain situations, if you're street performers and, and things of that nature, and be able to get a bird's eye view and their perspective specifically about what's going on within their communities and within the spaces that they're performing in, and then being able to, to advocate more directly to the folks that are passing this legislation, to the folks that are you know putting in these emergency powers um, that are going to allow uh, music and culture to continue foster and hopefully get back to where it was prior to the pandemic. So I, I definitely move in in a way that, as you know, Narit was saying earlier, being from an empathy standpoint and wanted to be able to open myself up to to listening to what's going on and, and just trying to take it one day at a time. You know, unfortunately, in New Orleans, uh, we've dealt with so many different crises and emergencies over the past several years. And, and for me, um, the pandemic, to some degree, reminds me, unfortunately, of Katrina. Right. So putting myself in that mentality to be able to take it literally one hour at a time. That's what was happening this time last year. Hopefully and slowly but surely moving up to that 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 day, day by day process and seeing how, you know, um, being able to even though we're in quarantine to speak to folks and to be able to get out as much as possible and stay physically distanced. But at the same time to continue what we've been doing in this city for centuries and, and perpetuating culture and being able to gather in a way that's safely, but also at the same time continues what's going on in a safe way. So I think that's probably the best way and, and one of the most effective and intentional ways that I've been trying to, to persevere more or less over the past year or so. I love that. It's that concept of being kind to yourself and being patient. I think if if the pandemic has taught us anything, it has been patience and compassion, I think, at least for me, uh, to be able to step back and recognize my situation. And, you know, I'm in a pretty good place. And there's a, there's a lot of people who have it a lot worse than I do. And so trying to be that presence for people and, and be that shoulder for people, uh, I think you're absolutely right. And Nuri, you had... Uh, it was it was wonderful what Bernard was mentioning back to what you were saying about that empathy and that compassion. What have you seen in your within your audience specifically how the pandemic has kind of altered everyone's life and then what that safety net and those support structures look like moving forward? Right. Well, it's 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 interesting, you know, from the next generation side and the young people and the, the youth that we work with versus also the 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 crew people and the, the more seasoned folks that have been in the industry for many years. I think in the past year, what we saw was, the, the, you know, not only the pandemic, but the racial reckoning that this country has been going through and needs to continue to move through. But it's triggered advocacy. And it also links a lot, Liz, with the work that you're doing and how do you, you know, advocate for the needs and your community needs and for the creative economy as a whole and how together we can work through that. You know, uh, from the crew nation side, you know, we have seen uh, folks start stepping out of the industry completely to uh, to find um, uh, a more secure place. To, you know, we've also seen healthcare. You know, when I look at the map globally, you know, we're going to have to, as a community, with um, the growing number of gig workers in our space, um, and how do we support them? And really, um, uh, our um, entire economy. 
And so there, there are a number of things that have triggered um, around creating social networks and, and safety nets um, for our communities um, that we have seen during this time um, that I hope it, you know, um, we don't snap back to what we feel like we've done before, but that we actually start embedding and baking um, this learning into um, our, our work and into our infrastructures. I love that. It's the, uh, it's the concept of, it's not the new normal, it's the next normal, right? Like being able to completely pivot because to be perfectly candid, I don't think everything was, you know, sunshine and rainbows in the music industry leading up to this. I think there was a lot of gaps, um, a lot of holes in the industry that were kind of bled through. Uh, the pandemic kind of showed those kind of true colors. And I'm hoping that there is kind of some massive, as you were saying, uh, Nuri, about the the crews, like the people behind the scenes, the people that make this happen, that make these shows work and make live shows work. They were essentially hung out to dry. And so again, I think moving forward, there is going to have to be some massive reform. There's going to have to be some massive change. And so Liz, how do you see how do you see your work changing? How did the pandemic change your work? And what do like some of these supports look like for you moving forward? Yeah, it boy, what an interesting year. So because we, you know, we launched a couple of our accelerator pilots last year in Texas and northern New England and had always intended for them to have an online component. But of course, and because we had that background, it was a it was a very easy pivot for us um, to just keep going. But, a, you know, a few things just observing. And so these are these are you know, heavy duty, uh, this is a heavy duty program. I mean, artists commit to a couple of sort of intensive instructional sessions every month. They're doing peer-to-peer mentoring. They're doing, you know, they're getting outside mentoring. And something that we all realized is the mental health. I mean, you know, you know this, Spencer, as well as, as, well as all of us, you know, mental health, the support networks became really, really important. And there we were for them. So it was an incredible, so, so moving forward, I think what artists have learned through, you know, the artists certainly that we've worked with is it's really important to find those kinds of networks and to take advantage of those networks. It's really important to find people that are like-minded. And I think that was the other thing that was very reinforcing to our work is it's, it can be hard for artists to find fellow social change artists. And so, so making sure that there are, there are ways for you to kind of track those folks down who are kind of passionate in the way you are and who want to do that kind of work. So that was a big thing. And then I think learning that we could do business, not as usual. Um, I think there was incredible mourning over, you know, venues that had been almost like their mom and pop coffee houses, right? That, that suddenly were like, oh my gosh, wait, you're leaving, you're closing, are you coming back? Like there was this whole grieving process, right? That we were all sort of supporting each other through. And that gave us an opportunity to say, all right, darn it. Well, how else are we going to then step in to our communities, right? So it was, it was sort of perfect kind of motivation for the work that we do, because what we're saying is you can, you can still be a community player. You may not be playing in a venue. What you might be doing is collaborating with that opioid clinic down the street or the youth center and together, which is also hard for artists because they are solopreneurs, right? They really are. They're sort of like, wait, collaboration. What is that? Wait, I'm supposed to do it all myself, right? So nurturing that sense of like, we're all gonna you know, collaborate together. So there's that. And then the third thing I think is this notion of we can do it online because we pushed them. We said, you guys are gonna have pilots. You're gonna, you have these concepts. You wanna go into the prisons. You wanna work with immigration. 
you are going to create a pilot online. And they were like, what? I don't do that. I do live stuff. I don't, you know, but to work with them around what that would mean and how that would look and to have them actually, I mean, Hey, in some cases there were three kids on the line or, but you know, like it wasn't huge, but they got over that little hump of, okay, there is another dimension to my work that I can take advantage of and have in my back pocket if this ever came out again. Right. So those are a few things. I really appreciate that um, that idea, that concept of uh, what is it called? Oh, community, <laughs> like uh, you know, talking about tangibles, right? Like, what are some takeaways? What are some things that we can encourage some of the viewers who are watching this panel specifically? Like, let's give them action items, right? And Liz, as you mentioned before, the the concept of like bands kind of being that solopreneur, or like you know, we were presented this opportunity. We have a literal stage and a platform to stand up and talk about all of these things that are terribly important to us. But there is some of the fear too about like, well, we might lose fans over this if we get like too political in what we're talking about. And I think again, something that the pandemic provided was creative people getting more creative and how they get their, their music and their art out. And then being able to stand up for like social justice and things that are important to them, policies and political and politics, uh, mental health for us. Like we've been talking about more than advocating for mental health. So being, being those change agents, as I've heard before, which has also been really exciting. And I, I think, again, it's been the pandemic has provided a platform for all of us to pivot. And so I really do think that now musicians are starting to come together and and using their voices for more than just like being up on stage and like, look at me kind of stuff, you know? Um, Yeah. Yeah, And I, I think also um, to pop, to just riff a little on what you were saying around some tangible tools too, for musicians to be aware of their their world and for venues um, and for the creative economy to understand the world around them, uh, particularly Renard, you alluded to to the civic world around them, um, to the um, government structures, um, local. Uh, neighborhood um, policies, you know, as communities are are trying to um, looking for ways to drive economic recovery in their neighborhoods, how can local venues and arts organizations and individual musicians play a role in that? How can musicians activate around business improvement districts and chambers of commerce? How can artists be at the table in those conversations and um, and the arts as an anchor for their work and a driver for the economic vitality of that community? Totally. Get involved. Stay awake. Preach. Preach. I love that. Thank yeah. you so much. Absolutely. Uh, and I know, so we have about five minutes left. And again, something that came up was community, right? So, well, two minutes left. So now, uh, and I'll start with you, Renard, and like briefly, what is something that we can do to continue to build community in our music and arts? Yeah, I think to, to quickly answer that, start small. You know, it, it seems like a very big idea, but I think at the end of the day, if we're, if we're still going to be operating within a virtual world, you know, hit up some of your bandmates, hit up, you know, two or three folks that you may know from the venue or from the service industry side of things and get together either, you know, in an outdoor space or in the Zoom world and just being able to talk through those processes and, and some of the things that you may buy and then develop an action plan, right? So yeah, I don't think it necessarily has to be something that is is 
overtly expansive. Certainly three to five folks can certainly turn into 10 and 20 very quickly with the right mindset mentality and being able to move forward in a way that's, you know, once again, effective and intentional. So it's nothing wrong with doing that, doing your homework and, and disseminating that information to your peers and colleagues. And then from there, once folks are educated and informed, at the, from my standpoint, you can take over the world. So. Absolutely. My co-founder Angela speaks in fortune cookies sometimes. And she says the best draft is the first draft because all it has to do is exist. So your concept of starting small, it's like just get together with a couple of people first and then let it bloom from there. Liz, what would you say? How can we continue oh, just know that there are opportunities out there like that. that um, think out of the box. You know, it's sort of try. Uh, you're all creative and you all have and you're all incredible DIY folks anyway. And so just keep your eyes open for opportunities. I, I actually, this morning I was thinking, you know, engage, a, engage an artist in the community and you heal the community and the artist. Wow. I love that. I'm glad this is being recorded so that I can write that down later. That's perfect. Uh, Nuri, what would you say? Um, you know, Renard uh, made me think of that quote. If you want to um, go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. And I think that that is something that we've all seen. And, and I want to encourage all of us to continue to, to um, do this together and to have the patience to do it right. Thank you for that. And just want to get two cents in is I think something that we can all Instead of being advocates for, I think we can really put some things into action. And like Liz said, is find out what those local organizations are that you can help in. And also we can really practice self-care and being kind to ourselves that the community grows if we show patience and compassion and understanding for folks. So really just practicing being better people. And I think our communities will grow uh, bigger, better, better and stronger. Well, thanks for listening to Amplify Music Conversations. We hope you enjoyed this discussion and come back to listen to our other podcast episodes, either following us in your favorite podcast player or at amplifymusic.org or even on YouTube. And you can find a way to sign up for our email list and join our various groups on Facebook and on LinkedIn. We'd like to thank the Institute of International Business at the University of Colorado, Denver, who sponsors this podcast series, as well as the conference sponsors, Mia, UCLA Herb Alpert School of Music, the Creative Arkansas Community Hub and Exchange, Ben Zugel, Tully, and Lyric Find. We've had great support putting this conference together this year, and we look forward to continuing these conversations with you through this podcast. Thanks for listening. You have found one of our adventures now in the Marimel Podcast Network. You can find our shows everywhere that you listen to podcasts. We've got Amplify Music Conversations from the Amplify Music Conferences during the pandemic, Creative Innovators, and now Innovating Music. If you're interested in following up with us in any of these shows, please reach out on our websites, and you can find those in the show notes.